Shut up and sit down. This is going to be last episode before Christmas. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club, a community of superhero movie fans. All nerds welcome, but please wipe your feet at the door. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Houtsma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anders. SHMC is your premier movie no, discussion podcast. No, back it up. Say Ben Anderson again and stop. Ben Anderson. And a warm welcome to our special guest, our number one fan here at SHMC. Twitter time. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Woot! SHMC is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, lifting stuff, or science, SHMC talks about it all in this week's episode. Listen. What do you hear? Nothing. I hear everything. You wrote that the world doesn't need a savior. But every day I hear people crying for one. Superman returns. And yes, there will be spoilers. Okay, sorry, press the wrong button there to un- unmute. Isn't that wonderful when that happens? Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, here we go, to a 2006 uh, or a 2015 homage to a 2006 film, which was an homage to a 1979 and 1981 film. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this movie. Who I think we're might be split here on who thinks it's a good movie and who thinks it's a bad movie. Um, this one is is way more mixed among us. So let's start with Ben. I have never seen this movie. Ugh, ben, you ruined the sanctity of the podcast with this heresy talk. I'm sorry. It's it's the end of the semester. Like I have like I had like two exams last week and a project due. Next week, my students have exams. I just didn't have time to get around to watching it. Oh, Should I pretend okay. like I've seen it before and didn't like it? No, because how long ago did you see this movie? I have never seen this movie. Oh, okay. Oh, you said should you lie. Okay. <laughs> should, I, should I lie pretend that I've seen it? No, be honest. Okay. We are honest with our viewers. Um, it just means... Uh, I don't feel bad about not seeing it. <laughs> Superman Just, uh, is one of my least favorite heroes, oh, yeah. and this, uh, from what I've heard, is not an especially great super, uh, Superman film, mm-hmm. so there okay. you go. 
All right. All right. T- 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 Tom, counter his point. Why do you why do you think it's not a great Superman movie? Because I know you're on the lower spectrum of love for this film. I I really just I hate this movie, and I can usually find some redeeming qualities of any movie I watch. But every time I watch this one, I just hate it more. And it's even more surprising that it comes from Brian Singer, who did X Men Two right before that. I'm like. If you look at X-Men 2 and look at everything that was good about that movie, Superman is, exact, is the exact opposite of that. Um, oh, wow. Makes me mad for two reasons. Like, this movie was, I thought, terrible. And two, <laughs> this is the reason we got Brett Ratner doing X-Men The Last Stand, which was also horrible. So Brian Singer just pissed me off because he left that movie, and then X-Men The Last Stand was done by Brett Ratner. But anyways, I just this movie was, it went on forever, mm-hmm. and I thought... I thought Brandon Rouse did good as Superman, but I don't think his he could act that well. Like, I don't know. He just seemed kind of out of place. Like, he looked like Christopher Reeve, but it just it went on too long. It just I didn't even care what happened. Like half the time, I hope was hoping Cyclops would drown when that plane was in the in the water, and um, the the whole thing with the super kid I didn't like. I didn't think Kate Bosworth was good as Lois Lane. Um, I don't know. There's just nothing I liked about this movie at all. Oh, you're bringing us down. Skylar, can can you bring us up? I think I can. I think I'm somewhere in the middle between you two. Um, Superman Returns is an interesting idea, I will say. You know, try and do a movie that's a throwback to the old original Superman movies for a modern day. Uh, I can see, you know, it's well-intentioned enough. I think uh, the aesthetic of the movie matches those old movies pretty well and and yet does its own thing nice enough. Uh, I think the cast uh, kind of mirror the originals well enough. Uh, there's some interesting Superman superhero heroics going on now and then. Uh, but at the same time, it's an incredibly bloated movie where someone should have come in and say, hey, um, you know, this is an interesting idea. I like the thought behind it, but you're not giving anyone what they want with this in that this is a thought project and we're making a big multi-million dollar Superman movie. So maybe just... Just tweak it a bit so that we get less of this crap people don't like and maybe something that, I don't know, a little more entertaining gets it by fast enough. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I I want to stand with Superman Returns as one of the most underrated superhero movies of all time because – it is a tremendous art project. The fact that a studio let a movie this 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 cerebral movie get made is a little bit of a miracle because there is so little action in this movie, and that's what makes it like a terrible Hollywood film. It is not a crowd pleaser, but to a fan of Superman, this is a wonderful tale of the outsider perspective. We all know about the man of steel. He can punch people, he can bend girders, he can he can leap over tall buildings in a single bound. 
But what we barely see out of the Superman story is the foreigner, the outsider, the man who is who, who has no one left on his planet, whose whose home is called the Fortress of Solitude. Like that's depressing. Just just take it out of context. And so this movie deals with well, what if he was part and you know he entered everyone's lives and he was gone for five years? Would people miss him? Would like what would happen? And it deals a lot with the relationship between him and Lois Lane and how tortured that became because she moved on, and he felt no one should have moved on because he only left for a little bit, a little bit of his time. He's a god. He's going to live way longer than the rest of these people, but it still hurt when they all moved on so quickly from him. And then he gets back, and they realize they all still need him, but no one wants it to admit it. And it's 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 a little heart wrenching, but at the same time, it's still a movie. You you need to have some balance. He can't just be saving everyone from six different natural disasters if none of the natural disasters are entertaining. Um, I mean, it's it's nice to go with the classic plane save, but in the end, I really want him to outsmart or outpunch a guy, and they copped out on that ending really badly because it made a lot of fans pissed because they're like, okay, Superman can't get past Crypt tonight. We've established that. It's a bit of a cliche, but we accept the rules. Lex Luthor makes a mountain of kryptonite. That's a new. I haven't seen that before. So how's Superman going to beat it? He lifts the mountain. Oh, come on. Dude, you're breaking the rule. All right, and they explain it as it only makes him vulnerable. It doesn't actually make him weaker. But that's dumb, all right? <laughs> Superman's supposed to be paralyzed by kryptonite. I don't need this crap. Uh, but if you take a look, if you take a look at the scenes more individually, you realize there is some really solid screenwriting, some really solid cinematography going on here that should be respected. I am interested in giving this movie another try. After <laughs> a first try? <laughs> I, 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 prejudi- I prejudiced it, but yeah, I'm uh, on board. I think this was the uh, – Chris. everyone was doing an impersonation of an 80s actor, and they all na- – I don't say they all nailed them, but they all did really solid jobs. I think Kate Bosworth added a bit more to the Lois Lane character than Margot Kidder did, and so far she's still my favorite Lois Lane interpretation outside of the Superman anime – the animated series Lois Lane. I forget who plays, who voices her. Dana something. Dana Delaney, yeah. Dana Delaney, yeah. She's the best. She's That's the best Lois Lane out there. Um, that's because they can get away with her wearing a skirt and heels and ridiculous, in, <laughs> ridiculous situations because it's a cartoon. In the movie, you were like, uh, you should probably take off those heels. Okay. It's like Jurassic World. Yeah. Let's also, Mission Impossible 5. <laughs> I've never seen the original Superman or Superman 2, so maybe that's why I hate this movie as much as I do. That's Yeah, that's why it's not a good... You shouldn't put that much context into a film. You shouldn't require people to watch another movie to make it good. And Superman Returns, what cr- requires you to see at least Superman 1 of uh, Richard Donner? See also all the Hobbit movies. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, uh, those are those are playing like 
see, the thing is, with Superman Returns, we didn't get a disclaimer that this was a sequel to a 1980s movie, and it was completely ignoring two of the sequels in the quadrilogy of the classic Superman. Um, whereas with like Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, you get that this is just one long story, three pieces at a, uh, you know, three different pieces, one piece at a time. But with the Hobbit movies, you don't get a disclaimer that it's shit. <laughs> oh, damn! Smackdown. All right, let's talk money real quick. Let's just breeze through this because we spent a lot of time on first opinions. Production budget two hundred and four million. Scour, pick me up. Domestic gross two hundred million, so almost there. Uh, foreign gross one ninety one, so a little more, almost there. Uh, at end of the day, three ninety one million, so definitely a domestic blockbuster, almost an international blockbuster. Um, this movie came out one week before Pirates of the Caribbean two, which is one of the biggest movies of all time. So mm-hmm. it kind of got its legs chopped off after about a week. And that's the thing is, is this movie was... Oh, what? And also people saw it, so... <laughs> that kind of killed momentum as well. Uh, a lot of... Uh, the critics came out with mixed reviews at the time. I think it still holds, like I said... It still holds 20% higher than Man of Steel, which... it's Yeah, it's at like 76, and the fact that it's higher than Man of Steel... It's... Because... Man of Steel changed the mythos of Superman a lot, while this one was like, we're sticking to the mythos cut and dry. Uh, And of course, when you stick to it that much, you confuse new people, but you strengthen the old fans, is really what this movie did. Right. Um, Like we said, it's at 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. You know, that doesn't sound too bad in itself, but I've always found that... The 70s range tends to be the most fervently mixed reactions. Other movies in that range, um, for example, are like the first Amazing Spider-Man movie, Prometheus, all that fun stuff. (laughs) Reboots? (laughs) Yes, that. Nobody knows how to properly deal with reboots. (laughs) No, they don't. Okay, and so this wasn't a blockbuster hit, and that's kind of the reason why. It was slated to have two more sequels, um, but those never came about, obviously. And uh, I think that was because they realized the success in Dark Knight, um, and I'm guessing the studio was like, we need to make that with Superman. So the whole you know 80s homage feel we got going right now just isn't what the people want. It's not the money that's, that is to be made, so we're going to make a new dark more dark nighty or superman ergo man of steel so let's talk about comic book section source books or lack thereof because normally i would talk about the comic book storyline that this movie is based on of which is none because it's based on two movies from 1979 and 1981 or i would talk about comic book characters that have premiered in this movie for the first time but it's a spiritual sequel to Superman 2 and it introduces no new characters outside of Perry White's nephew and uh, 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 oh my gosh Parker Posey I don't know what her name is Caddy something she's like supposed to be Eve Teschmacher but she's not called Eve Teschmacher because I think it's she's like the exact same character as Eve Teschmacher from the first two films Kitty Kowalski. Kitty Kowalski, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And she's the same. I don't know why they didn't just say that was Eve Teschmacher. Uh, probably because that's a stupid name for a character. But so is Kitty Kowalski. Um, and those characters mean nothing. I mean, uh, they were you saw what they were for in the film. There's no backstory behind them. They weren't in comic books before that movie. So I got nothing to say on, on that. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of USHMC fans on a little journey between 1987 and 2006 and all the Superman projects that could have been. All right? Buckle in. Ladies and chaps, here we go. So, Superman Returns takes place in 1980, after the events of Superman 2, but does not acknowledge the events of Superman 3 or 4, which is fine. Those movies sucked. Uh, this is the first Superman movie we see in 29 years, which means redoing the origin story was could have been a safe move. It's not like we're re- when we're rebooting Spider-Man within under like eight years. And here are some of the canceled projects that came about between uh, Superman 4 and Superman Returns. Uh, there was supposed to be a script by Ilyana Salkin, one of the producers of Superman 1 and 2. And that was the, the original script for the 19, um, the, the, the Superman 3 movie, where instead of involving a business mogul and Richard Pryor... We instead were going to get Brainiac and Supergirl in in a weird sort of uh, Brainiac is come to take over the planet and he has Supergirl brainwashed and there's this sort of weird Superman Supergirl connection before they realize that they're cousins um, and the studio is like no thank you we're going to go with the comedic styles of Richard Pryor instead that's why we got Superman three. Uh, so then after that, there was supposed to be a Superman 5 labeled Superman the New Movie starring Christopher Reeve again as Superman. And this was him dying and being reborn in the shrunken city of Kandor. And that's a famous Superman story plot where Brainiac shrinks the city of Kandor, the last remaining vestige of Krypton, a city of Krypton that got shrunken down. And Superman was never able to bring it back to full size. So it's just this little city in a bottle that he keeps in this fortress of solitude. And that was the whole plot of the film where he confronts Brainiac about that. Uh, and this, this actually, this plot uh, predated the very famous storyline, Death of Superman, written by Minnesota's own Dan Jurgens, local homeboy hero. And next project, Superman Reborn. All right. We're in the 90s now. Yeah, 90s comic books. (laughs) 90s comic book movies, or what should have been. Uh, Remember, this is about the same time period as Joel Schumacher and Batman. The the awkward years. The awkward years. Bat nipples. Uh, So this movie was meant to capitalize on the death of Superman storyline. Because the death of Superman, where Superman confronts a villain known as Doomsday, a little killing machine, and he dies at the hand of Doomsday, um, while, of course, killing Doomsday at the same time, this this comic book sold up the wazoo. Everyone thought this comic book was going to become super valuable in the coming years, but because it sold so many copies and nobody threw any away, it's worth nothing. I literally have three copies of it myself. It's a I, literally, I literally see three copies of this coming to the store every week. Not well, yeah. It's a great story. Um, it's literally the first comic book I ever read. That's why I'm such a big fan of Dan Jurgens because I found out he was from Minnesota. Met the guy a couple times. 
So Superman Reborn. This is this this movie has been on a tail. Originally, the the first original draft mimicked Batman Forever, Joel Schumacher's first outing in Batman, and its extreme appeal to kids and toys. Uh, in this, Superman dies at the hand of Doomsday, and at that moment, while he's dying, he professes his love to Lois, who were having a relationship troubles prior to this moment. And when he professes his love, his life force leaps from him and into Lois, where she gives a virgin birth to a child who grows to be age 21 in three weeks. Isn't that the pilot of Fringe? (laughs) Maybe. I was going to say, and the Jesus symbolism with this series wasn't strong enough, apparently. (laughs) No, that's just the first draft. Then we get another rewrite. That involved Brainiac and Doomsday killing him and he being resurrected but needing to learn his powers again. So he's powerless, but he wears a robotic suit that mimics his powers. Uh, His powers are in the movie were slated from coming from a mental discipline known as Finyar in a a description similar to the Force. Midichlorians. Yeah, midichlorians. So, holy cow, and, you know, there was there's that project that almost happened. That was going to have, like, a weird-ass cast. Uh, uh, I'll get to that, because Superman Reborn eventually transforms into a new project called Superman Lives, because Kevin Smith gets approached to rewrite Superman Reborn into a new movie called Superman Lives, because Kevin Smith was famous at this point for Mallrats and Clerks. Uh, Can I interject on, you know, just to sum up Superman Lives, in my opinion? Holy shit. After I describe it, okay. the audience must know what Superman Lives almost could have been. At this point, we're at 1998. Kevin Smith is being drafted to write this, and he isn't really even writing it. It was, like, pre-written by the studio. He was just there to pump it up. Here are some things that the producers wanted to put into Superman Lives. This is some bonkers shit. Superman couldn't fly in the movie. He had to wear an all-black suit. At the end of the movie, he was supposed to fight a giant spider, very similar to the end of the plot of Wild Wild West. Bradyak would involve a scene where he fights polar bears in the Arctic. Kevin Spacey was approached to be Lex Luthor, Chris Rock was cast as Jimmy Olsen, and Nick Cage was supposed to play Superman with Tim Burton to direct. Uh, Holy (laughs) fuck. What? That sounds bitchin'. (laughs) I'm I'm almost convinced that when people were talking about Y2K, this was it, just two years early. Oh. Okay. It's the most 90s sounding comic book movie I've ever heard of. Yeah. That is what was going on with Superman. And there's a documentary called by John Schlepp by called Superman Lives What Happened. That explains all of this in detail and provides reasons why people wanted this. Very fascinating. I can't describe it. I can't speak for their psychology. I don't even fully understand it. But the information is out there. Nick Cage floating around. 
in a Superman suit, like where he was actually cast for that. Yeah. And there was is like that, a teaser poster too. Is that documentary out yet? Oh yeah, that came out the same day as Avengers 2. Link in the show notes on the subreddit. Solid. All right, next project, Batman vs. Superman. Now it's 2001. J.J. Abrams wants to direct this movie. It's supposed to be a new Superman origin story, but it also have Superman and Batman in, of course, the same movie. It would involve both of them at a very low point in their life, Superman just being recently divorced with Lois Lane, and Batman blaming Supes for the death of his wife by the Joker. Eventually, this project got retitled to Superman Flyby because J.J. Abrams was just like, all right, throw out all the Batman stuff. I just want to do a Superman origin story. And this is where it, it gets revamped, where Kal-El fights the three sons of his father's rival, Katazor, which I don't even know if that character is in the comic books. Um, and Matt Bulmer was supposed to be slated to play Superman. He wasn't officially cast, but he was the heavy front runner. I'm really glad you went over all this with you know the projects because now it just makes more sense why they would make a movie like Superman Returns because they went through 20 odd years of just these fucking crazy ideas and then well, by these, the time these projects were financed like they were moving up on the chain and then you know development hell uh, the there were issues with with going over over budget there were directors wanted to uh, I think Superman one of the projects was supposed to be filmed in Australia, but the director's like, I'm not filming in Australia a Superman movie. I'm filming in New York. And, you know, that slows everything down because winter. You don't get winter in Australia. As we're familiar with. <laughs> uh-huh. But those are all the projects. After Superman Flyby never got made, we get Superman Returns. And then, you know, it gets shut down for a little bit, and we're back with Man of Steel and the new... DC Cinematic Universe. Full steam ahead. Okay. Speaking of full steam ahead, Skylar, move us along to the music section. Right. Next stop. Pause. Yes. I did a good segue. Yes, Fuck you did. Guys. <laughs> you 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 can segue into Sing My V. Alright, talk about music. Alright, next stop. Superman Returns official score station conducted by John Ottman and also written by the way uh, talked about him already for Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer and X-Men Days of Future Past big uh, Brian Singer collaborator and much like with what Singer's doing with the story and what the actors are doing with the performance uh, John Ottman's music is basically there to completely echo the sound of John Williams's uh, music for the first two Superman scores. Obvious enough with the opening being the classic Superman theme, uh, you can hear more of those echoes in our first track for the for the uh, recording is Rough Flight.
You know what listening to this score in the movie reminded me of? What was that? Our old theme. You don't say. <laughs> just, there's just something so familiar about it. That I can't put my finger on it. Because hmm. we haven't reached Spider-Man 2 yet. This is the first time we actually hear the Superman theme or any of the themes from back when we played that theme amalgamation. Oh, yeah. Of which Danny Elfman brought forward about two-thirds of. Well, two out of three, so yes, math is correct. <laughs> Yay! Uh, if, I didn't, yeah, if I didn't know any better listening to this movie, I'd say this was a John Williams-conducted directed, uh, uh, film. But it seems everyone put on their impression. Right, I mean, I think we've covered the fact that basically what this movie's purpose is, is, oh, hey, you know those old movies? You like those old movies? Great. We'll do it that. We can do do it it again. Yeah, we can do it again. We can still make a 1980s looking film. Mm -hmm. Um, Next track on the uh, list pretty much follows in that. uh, Excuse me. uh, Pretty much follows in that vein too, and that is memories. This song is by far my favorite musical moment of the movie. If not my favorite musical moment of, like, all of 2006 and before. (laughs) Uh, Because, I don't know, there's something very magical about this track. Yeah, I mean, it accompanies the scene, obviously, as the title suggested of when he's remembering his past, discovering his powers, all that whatnot, running through the field. And that, you know, it's a good musical track to bring up that excitement and wonder that should be inherent with a Superman movie. Yeah, and I remember uh, way back when, when they were first showing the trailers for Superman Returns, they would uh, lean heavily on this scene. So it it was one of those parts that needed to deliver, and I think it did. Hmm. I love. I don't know. I I get. That's what I'm saying. Is there's these. There are these moments in Superman Returns where you go, "Wow, this movie, it's a piece of art." But then it just gets bogged down by repeating, it, trying too hard to do that for two hours, um, and it just yeah, it doesn't work. So what's what's our last song, Skyler? All right, last track of the segment uh, comes from the extended, extended third act. It's called So Long, Superman, and it echoes the more somewhat tragic uh, spin on the ending of it without going full tilt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, cry or whatever. So let's take a listen. Also, quick. We do have a viewer right now. Disclaimer, viewer. We are, you're not going to hear this music. <laughs> Just Sorry. go to YouTube. Superman Returns soundtrack. So long, Superman. We're going to play it for 40 seconds. 
was that supposed to be sad? It's very ominous. Oh, I, I yeah, is it I the think death. Yeah, I think it's accompanying the scene where Luthor stabs him with the kryptonite shard. Okay, and then throws him off. Yeah, I don't. It wasn't the hospital scene or anything like that. Okay, we should we should play, we should play a clip from the hospital scene. I, well, I think that you weren't you were they trying to make you teary eyed in that scene, but it's, at that point you were already like twenty minutes too far into the resolution, and you were just you just wanted this to to sum up and be over with. It's like get on with it. Speaking of getting on with it, any more music to talk about? No, I mean I'm sure we'll hear the uh, classic Superman theme before the end of the show, so. Oh, psh. Or, like, or I'm going to overdo it. Or you can just watch one of our episodes from, like, when you're still doing seasons. You'll plug. Hear, yeah. you'll hear plug. 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 <laughs> Listen to uh, Ghost Rider 2. Yep. We. Well, I don't know why we love that one so much to plug. Uh, I always, my go-to plug is Iron Man 3, uh, just because I think that's, like, our origin story. Jonah Hex. Plug that one. <laughs> Jonah Hex is real good, man. too. A <laughs> true fan. All right, Ben, I know you haven't seen the movie, but yeah. can we talk science? Have you at least uh, known I'm, I'm, of the scenes I speak of? Yeah. 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 Okay. Hey, we're going to start very simple. We're going to start with a throwaway line by Jor-El at the very beginning of the movie, towards the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. where he says he's, he's speaking in a recording to Luthor of Kalel, my son. This is all we've gathered of the 28 known galaxies. Now, I don't know if I heard that wrong. I suppose I should double-check. But a 28 known galaxies? That's it? That's far too low. <laughs> um, because there are... What is it? 9, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. There are Can 9 I... galaxies. There are 9 galaxies that are visible to the naked eye. Oh, and what we can see, what what you can see from Earth with the naked eye is such a small, just pardon the pun, but astronomically tiny portion of the universe. Uh, <laughs> the fact is, there we don't know how many galaxies there are, but we know it's a very large number. Do we have a best guess of what we know? Um, on the order of thousands of billions, at least. Okay. Uh, well, what uh, have we observed? Have well, I mean, we can see stuff with the Hubble, right? Actually, uh, to that point, um, there's a very famous picture. It's called the Hubble Ultra Deep Field, and this was when um, they took the Hubble Space Telescope, they pointed it at a patch of sky, a very tiny patch of sky, that looked completely black to every other telescope that they'd ever pointed at it, and they just held it there for a while. <laughs> and then when they you know looked at the the fully processed image uh they found in that one image in this tiny portion of sky there were over 10,000 galaxies in that image well kryptonian so, technology is bs they kryptonian don't know astronomy is pretty bad wikipedia lists uh 16 Named galaxies, so something other than a set of of uh, coordinates or a systematic name, or mm-hmm. you know, um, there's 16 named galaxies. So maybe that's what they were talking about. 
Okay. But no, there's more than 28. Yes. There's more than 2,800 million. There's, <laughs> there's more than 2,800 billion. All right, Jarrell, get your facts straight before you talk yeah. again. Uh, next up, at the very beginning of the movie, we had a shuttle piggybacking a Boeing 747 in order to enhance liftoff. That, I, I mean, I, they displayed it as a very real thing, and if it is real, how does that work? Uh, okay, so yes, it's a real, it's a real aircraft. It doesn't do what it does in the movie. Um, but yes, NASA owned uh, two modified, basically Boeing 747s uh, that they would use to transport the space shuttle. So um, I think we talked about in a previous episode, I don't know which one, the crawler that would, you know, had, it was just like a big platform on wheels that moved the space yeah. shuttle. Around. Dude, you plugged that. That was Ghost Rider 2. Cause it, oh, man. It moved yeah. the digger. Machines as big as monsters. The world's greatest book if you have, you know, <laughs> a kid that you want to end up being a nerd like me. So, um, but, but do they use the 747 as, like, an enhanced takeoff? Where they detach no. it and then no, <laughs> no, uh, they merely use it to travel or to transport the space shuttle more quickly than the crawler. Okay. Um, you can't. The space shuttle cannot take off from it. They've been like trying to design something that like how it's used in the movie, where you lift it up and then get it going to a certain speed and then have it take off from the aircraft and. Supposedly, you'd save fuel overall, um, but nothing like that actually exists yet. Okay, um, yeah, because I like I when I was a kid, I totally thought that was a thing that you could just launch an aircraft or launch a space shuttle from an aircraft. Yeah, well, now they've retired the space shuttle as of like 2012, I think. So, unfortunately, they don't use it's not they don't use it anymore. So we use Ares rockets now. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, hire. Independent contractors and other nations to get yeah. people in space for us. Uh huh. Um, so then let's talk about the physics behind Superman lifting things that are bigger than him. I understand he lifts a mountain. He lifts a mountain. He lifts that plane from the nose, and it couples a little bit when he tries to make it so it doesn't fall into that crash into that baseball stadium horrifically. Mm-hmm. More more accurate than lifting a mountain, he lifts a continent. Yeah, that's literally that's how they described it as a yeah. continent of kryptonite. Solid rock is rather less solid than people most people would believe. So, like, if you tried picking up a mountain, one, I guess you're Superman, so you can do that. Um, but two, you lift it up, and then there is going to be like. That's an incredible amount of weight, and it's going to collapse under its own weight. It's just going to fall apart, you know? So the way I always had this described to me is trying to lift, like, a very – like, a medicine ball with a pin. Like, like It's more like lifting a piece of cake with a toothpick. Yeah, that works right. too. You, you sh- Like, the toothpick is sturdy, but the, the structure – pretty sturdy. But, like, the cake is just going to – it's so heavy and spread out that it's just going to crumble. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. I uh, can balance a few crumbs here, but – You'll shoot right through it. 
And so what? Let's say that let's say that toothpick has little tiny hands, um, and you know creates a little wider area. Doesn't matter. Still shoots right through it. Yeah. It. Uh... Yeah, so Superman lifting things, like, he has the strength for it, sure, but, you know, the the thing it's that he's lifting... Yeah, either either it's going to a couple on the edges, or he has to be really good at choosing where to lift it. He, yeah, and that's, that's a rather difficult engineering problem, <laughs> you know. That, and that's just, like, a common Superman thing, is that he can just lift yeah. things that are... He lifts the whole freaking planet at one point like, in a comic like book. You, okay, I don't know where he lifts the plane by, but, like, you can imagine, like, if you lift it under its center of gravity, it's going to do okay. If he you lifts, lift it by if you lift it by the wing, you know, well, then, he, like, the wing's going to bend. Just that, you know, You're describing just gonna, what happened in the movie, Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He lifted so. it by the wing, and he ripped the wing off, and then he went to the nose... And he was it was he was perpendicular with the ground when he was making sure it wouldn't crash. Yeah. It coupled a bit, but then you get to the mountain and you go, okay, I don't think that rock would have stayed together. No, no, the rock. He would have yeah. shot right through it. All right, final topic. Yep. Another moment where they nail the physics. Superman taking care of that sewer fire. Yeah. In the scene, he shoots through the sewer. Creates the vacuum, and so the fire follows the, the only air that's left, and that's him, really, really fast. And then he turns around, and he super breath cold airs the rest of the dying fire. Yeah. Boom. If you're Superman and can, and can breathe cold air. Or blow air a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, that's like when you blow out a candle, it's because the you're moving air. And moving air is at a lower pressure, and so you create – there's not enough oxygen for that small flame to keep bur- burning. Uh-huh. Superman can move a lot more air than a human, so he can take away much more oxygen from an environment for – so yeah. And so we're like, there's the physics, and then he goes and lifts a kryptonite mountain. You know, in the end, almost it's a, every, it's a super, movie. every Superman movie involves one drastic feat – where Superman does something utterly ridiculous. He uh, wouldn't be Super- Superman otherwise. Yeah, really. Superman 1, he turns the world on its axis, goes back in time. That, uh, oh, man, I have things about that. Superman 4, he literally grabs a net full of nuclear devices and throws them into the sun. Superman 3, he gets so drunk that he splits into two personalities and fights himself. <laughs> Let us not forget Superman 2, in which he takes the little cellophane thing off of his symbol and throws it over a bad guy. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, it didn't even work either. It worked for the 10 seconds. <laughs> oh, Superman's so much fun, guys. It cannot be hate for him. Uh, no, more, no more science? Yeah, we're good. Okay, good to go. So that brings us to Twitter Tom, Mr. Fun Facts. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Um, Amy Adams auditioned for Lois Lane, and I thought that was ironic because she was Lois Lane in Man of Steel. Which well, was she was supposed movie. to. She auditioned for Lois Lane in Superman Lives. Oh, did she? Yeah, and that I guess all that stuff just kind of carries over because Kevin Spacey played Lex Luthor in Superman <laughs> Returns. The last line of the movie Quest for Peace, uh, Superman looks at Lex Luthor and says, See you in 20, Lex. 
And that movie came out, I think, in 86. And this movie came out in 2006. So ironically, it was 20 years later. Oh, um, and- sorry, Twitter, Tom. I'm going to have to fact check you here. Superman 4, Quest for Peace, came out in 1987. Oh, shit. Well, 19 <laughs> years. <laughs> they were that's still eerily close, though. I wish I was holding a mic so I could drop it and leave after that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Singer wanted Jude Law to be Zod, and once Jude Law said no, he completely wrote Zod out of the script, just like that. Wow. No wonder we um, didn't see any action in this movie. It was a three-hour soap opera. Brandon Ralph was actually younger than Tom Welling, who plays Superman in Smallville, which took place during, like, teenage years. The whole Kent farm was created from the ground up. They made over four miles of road and 37 – they planted 37 acres of corn just for Kent Farm. And that sounds like a feat in itself, but it was actually during when Australia was having a seven-year drought. They made all that stuff. You know, that's weird because in Man of Steel, they built the Kent farm again. They built the, the, the Kent family estate. They built that house. What is with the Superman movies? And just, oh, like, do we not have a classic American farmhouse anymore that a person can film at? Does it oh, not Ohio. exist? They're all over. I swear. <laughs> There's I mean, an entire but... middle section of the country to go through, and they're there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, Brandon Routh is from Iowa. Go to his hometown. <laughs> I just love how all the producers are like, all right, let's, where can we build this farm at? Okay, Australia's in a drought. Let's go there and create one. <laughs> and they all high-five and, and they buy plane tickets. <laughs> um, his suit was made out of this material called milliskin. It was a type of, um, it's a type of cloth, and it restricts movement when new. So the bad part, the good part is when he wore it, it looked like the iconic Superman suit. But after you wear it one time, it starts sags. It starts to sag. So because of this, they made over 80 Superman suits, 100 capes, <laughs> 30, 30 pairs of boots, and 90 belts, which I thought found that was just nuts. That's Oh, my gosh. What do they do with all that clothing? Is it just did they sell it off and donate the proceeds to charity? Who knows? They probably sold it to recoup some of the money I lost. They didn't lose any money on this movie. Oh, no, movie. that's right. They did make some money, didn't they? They didn't make as much as they wanted. <laughs> Those greedy bastards. Um, I got Kevin Spacey would drive around in a golf cart, and it was called Lexus Super Buster, and he would he drag would. around a Superman doll, bind on a rope saying Superman must die with a megaphone. <laughs> that just cracks me up, Kevin Spacey doing that on the set. <laughs> I do remember from watching the uh, the special features for this movie, I saw that, the um, driving around on the cart and whatnot, but I remember the uh, the casting people were so intent on finding someone from America or, you know, the Midwest or whatnot, and Brendan Rath was from Iowa, and then just fast forward a couple years later, and it's like, let's get the British guy to play Superman. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, with Superman Returns, that was very obvious because Christopher Reeve was a known outsider. Uh, no, well, okay, that's a weird way to phrase that. Christopher Reeve was a Hollywood outsider. He wasn't really big until his role as Superman. Brandon Routh was pretty unknown before 2006. And, yeah, he's a, you know, a heartland born and raised. But then people 
Hollywood the studio didn't really uh, uh, like the movie as much as they wanted to. So what do they do when that happens? They go for something completely different. <laughs> Thus, Men of Steel. Uh, I would like to point out as a fun fact, Kate Bosworth was only 22 when she played Lois Lane. And to me, that's mind-boggling because, like, that's how old I am. And if I were in Superman Returns at 22, like, my life would have been made at that point, I think. I don't know where I would go from there. Yeah, I don't know where Kate Bosworth went after that either. (laughs) (laughs) Yo. (laughs) Somebody call the burn unit. (laughs) We have someone on the ER. Where the hell is Kate Bosworth? <laughs> she was in that Straw Dogs remake like two or three years ago, and then I have not seen hide or hair. Okay. All right. Any more fun facts from you, Mr. Tom? Nope, that's all I got. Oh, perfect. Well, Tom, I don't know if you prepped for this section at all, or uh, if you are fully aware of drinking game rules where we here at SHMC develop a list of rules for drinking game if you were to watch this movie again and at what times you should consume alcohol. Remember, drink responsibly. So let's start with number one. Take a drink every minute past the point you've lost interest in this movie. Does that ever stop? Like, does that stop when the movie's over, or you just have to keep drinking forever? <laughs> Literally forever. It stops when the movie's over, of course. Uh, it I happens. Die if that applied to me. <laughs> yep. It really takes out. It makes the it makes the really uh, negative Nancys a lot more fun because they're more drunk quicker. All right. Take a drink every time Superman does something creepy and or stalkery. <laughs> Sneaking into your child's bedroom. Well, okay. In all fairness, how many times have we seen that in a superhero movie? Ant-Man, Spider-Man 3, Twilight. Oh, wait, never mind. Nope, nope, but good call. No, but I mean pretty recently, Ant-Man and and, <laughs> uh, and, and with Ant-Man, I was like – that was one of the best scenes of the movie. Uh, and it's mostly because that's his legal child – that he still has custody over, whereas in Superman, like it was still under the wraps on whether or not that was his kid. Also, that kid was not cute. He was a big wuss. Um, take a shot. When you think we've went from Act 1 of the film to Act 2, and when you think you've went from Act 2 to 3, again. So everybody's got a different point and when they think the mood shifts for the movie. And everybody's got to take a shot at when that moment happens. Well, Drink for every Superman 1 and 2 reference. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. Oh, you have to, like, you got to be specific with that. Otherwise, you're just drinking the whole, the whole movie's a Superman 1 and 2 reference. Uh, take a drink. All right, so here's, here's a fun one. Everyone takes a guess at what year this movie is based in. Find the average, and then take... The difference of that from the correct answer, 1985, and that's how many shots everyone has to take. Because when I was watching this movie, I go, are we in modern times? Because the newspaper is still very prevalent. And then you do the math, and this movie takes place five years after modern times of Superman 2, 1980. So technically, it takes place in 1985. 
drink in the presence of the late great Marlon Brando. So as ah. you can be just like the late great Marlon Brando. Stone <laughs> drunk. You have to drink his favorite brand though. It's probably something bourbon or whiskey. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm guessing in his later years it was probably just paint thinner. <laughs> Straight, Straight up. up. <laughs> any any drinking game? Any drinking rules, Tom? I know we threw you into the fire here with this section. Um, anytime Kumar from Hales and Kumar shows up on the screen, <laughs> he's a bad guy. He plays a character named Stanford, and the whole time he's trying to act. Like, he's a bad guy, and he's so bad at it. Because <laughs> he's got this, like, cheeky little smirk on, like, yeah, let's beat up Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then let's go get some White Castle. <laughs> you get, when, yeah, when are we going to build a White Castle on this new continent? Um, you drink every time you create uh, – I'm sorry, force everyone else to drink every time you create a reason why Lex's new continent plan wouldn't work. Some freebies for you. A, he has no army to defend that land. He said he had Kryptonian technology to defend it, but we don't know what that means or if he even knows how to use it. B, that land is not in any way fertile. It's just raggedy rocks everywhere. And, uh See, dude, Superman just came back. You couldn't have done this when, like, like earlier. You had five whole years. Finish the bottle when you realize how much X-Men 3 sucked because of Superman Returns. Fair enough. Oh, my God, we lost Ben! Ben was so <laughs> no! mad. He was so mad. He didn't even see the movie. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap things up, and hopefully he'll be back by the time we wrap things up. So, <laughs> but is okay. So, looks like that's going to wrap it up for today, super fans. Superhero Movie Club is recorded and produced by Tribe Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it means the world to us. Also, we are on Stitcher, and we're still on Podbean. Superhero Movie Club at podbean.com. And now I've recently introduced our feed into the Google Podcast Network that's still in the beta phase, I believe. So I don't know if you can actually get any podcast. I think it's supposed to be called Google Cast eventually, but they're all testing things out. But we're in that process. We'll be there. We want to create as many avenues for you to listen to the show as possible, such as talking with us about the show when it's done and where can we do that yeah we can you can talk with us about uh you know we can discuss the the episode further on our on our subreddit reddit.com slash superhero movie club we post show notes there we post articles and whatever's fun facts uh relating to the movies um so talk to us there we love discussion we love we you guys. Do. I'm not going to lie. Anytime I get a message from anyone about things we talked about here, I light up with joy. Ergo, Twitter Tom's existence. <laughs> that Which, uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Which naturally leads us to the fact that uh, we have an active Twitter feed, at SuperheroMC. Uh, continue the discussion there on where you think Superman Returns lies in the pantheon of superhero movies. 
underrated, terribly boring, let us know. And we can sometimes have your questions, comments, uh, haikus, whatever, on the air. <laughs> All right. That'll do it today. Uh, quick note before we leave you tonight. This is our last episode before we take a quick two-week break for the holidays. It's a busy time for all of us. We'd like to spend time with our family. Ben would like to finish his finals with sanity uh, and and such. So after this episode, we are going to come back on Monday, the 3rd of January, which means that will be our – that will be SHMC's one-year anniversary and 50th episode. It's going to be a special one, guys, so make sure that you tune in. But that will do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Keller Houtsma. And Ben Anderson. And Twitter Tom. You took the and away from it, Ben. <laughs> I hope you all have a super week. Bye. If I'm alive and well